0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I know it is Wednesday roundup. We will get to that in segment three. Before then, we're going to bust some narratives. We're going to talk about some potential breakouts for this season, names to watch, and we will get into, of course, the Jose of it all. Can't get away from the Jose rumors, can we? You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's get into the latest Jose rumor from Hector Gomez that the Padres are pushing. Now, if you've been listening to the show or you follow me on Twitter, I mean, I talked about that idea last week on the show. I tweeted it out. The Padres would make more sense. And, you know, I was talking with some people I trust and uh, (laughs) told me that like this particular rumor holds no weight uh, that there could be a trade that's not completely off the table. Uh, It does not sound good for an extension. Uh, Basically, all the positive and the negativity of this seems to be completely leaking out of Jose's camp right now. Uh, It's very unfortunate the way it's played out. Uh, It's just another annoyance, I guess. Um, I I don't felt very good. We had a whole show about, like, Jose contract. Like, could we finally keep an MVP in town? Doesn't look like it. Uh, I still think, personally, you hold out. I think you wait. Because if you get close to deadline, deadline... Um, I don't think you're going to, A, lose any value, and there's a chance that he could increase in value because of A.J. Preller knowing his job is on the line, that he is going to have a little bit more desperation. I don't think you get C.J. Abrams right now, but could you get C.J. Abrams at the deadline? I think potentially. I think it could be part of something. You know, I had people talking about a- Abrams, uh, Capacino, and Gore. I was like, uh eh, that's that's not going to happen now or even later. But it's still something that uh, it's fun to dream about. It's fun to talk about but I, I that's that's really all I have to say about Jose right now. there's n- nothing has changed. <laughs> we're in the same holding pattern we have been in uh, shame on all of us for getting excited for a moment there and thinking that this team was uh was gonna keep a star it's It's rough, and you know I had someone counter argument like uh that when the Jacobs were here they get uh no one comes down on them, and they couldn't keep anyone and that's true uh Cleveland has not been able to keep anyone. During any of their time here. Uh, but the one thing you have to say about the Jacobs is that they never had payrolls this low when their teams were decent. Uh, you know, this that's just the frustration. And I know there'll be people saying, well, you don't want to spend just to spend. There are ways to upgrade your team. We've talked about it. If your payroll is going to be this ginormously low, take a bad contract and get something valuable. Extend your players outside of, you know, Class A was step one. There should be more. Uh, so let's, before we. You know, get into the other segments. Let's talk about this Austin Meadows trade because boy, were fans angry, (laughs) to put it lightly. Because you know we've talked about Meadows on the show, and Meadows is incredibly, incredibly flawed. He's essentially a DH. You could make a a real case that he is a worse defender than Franmil Reyes, and you might not believe that, but I mean, that's just the data is there to show you he is a disaster out there. He's also he's basically a poor man's Winker, right? He. He crushes one half of a platoon and he can't play any defense. That is what Meadows is. Now, all he cost was um, a comp B round pick, which is about a million more in pool money, plus that pick between the second and third round. Uh, How about multiple comp B picks traded? Two in a row in back-to-back days. I'm loving it. I mean, I was talking about that the Guardian should be targeting extra comp B picks uh, or extra just picks in general. It hasn't happened. I mean, they haven't done anything. It's like poking the dead animal with a stick meme right now. Uh, but you know, it was fun to see other teams do that now. Uh, and then Isaac Parades. Now I probably butchered his name. Here's the thing. If you look at Zips projection, Zips projects Parades to be a 2.2 and Meadows to be a 2.5 and you get more years of control at a cheaper price. Plus, I mean, honestly, if you're the Rays, like why do you trade Austin Meadows? Because they immediately called up Josh Lowe and there's a good chance Josh, Josh Lowe is better than Austin Meadows this year. A very good chance. So there is a chance that uh, Paredes, per, man, I cannot say his name today, uh, outproduces Meadows. Like, that he has a higher war. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. He also gives them some options at third base with uh, with them having traded away Joey Wendell. Like, it's probably Taylor Wall's position. They kind of want to stick Yandy as a platoon. But that's, I mean, that's a crazy thing, right? So they trade away Austin Meadows, who's been good, you know, a solid offensive performer. He's had problems with health. He's had problems with platoon splits. He's had problems with defense. But he can hit. We know he can perform offensively. Uh, and they just the next next bat's ready. Josh Lowe is ready to go. Uh Lowe was taken not long after the Guardians drafted Will Benson. I had hit now in fairness, if we want to go back, like I can't. I did have Lowe higher than Benson, but I had Nolan Jones higher than both. Um yeah, I missed on that one. They were both these high school shortstops who were uh gonna to move to third or potentially the outfield. Uh, And I was just, uh, I I was really high on Jones's power potential. We'll see. Uh, But that was, yeah, that was that kind of grouping. And, you know, they traded Josh Lowe's brother, Nate, was who they traded to the Rangers last year. And I think uh, he's going to perform better than some people expect as a first base. Remember, I talked about trying to acquire him last year at the deadline before he was shipped off. So yeah, it's the Rays make this deal because they have depth for days. They needed another utility type. They get a they save 4.4 million. I don't think that is on the union discount. They get a, another draft pick. They are able to keep building up their pool. They're pushing back 40 man issues because again, if you listen to the podcast, I said the Guardians should trade for draft picks because the soonest a player you're going to have you have to add to your 40 man would be 4 years. Now, it might happen quicker, but it gives you a 4-year delay and I mean, that's what the Rays need. And that's why the Rays went out and did that because they are so overstuffed. Lowe gets called up. Uh uh, Paradis will take the place of Joey Wendell. And again, there is a chance that like Austin Meadows is probably going to be, I think he's like max, um, a three-win player just because of the defensive uh, limitations. Paredes plus Low, I mean, those two could combine to be worth five wins. Like the, this is by opening up a spot and making the trade, the Rays got better. Like I, I have no doubt in my mind they got better. The Guardians could have topped it. They had a comp A pick, which is worth, you know, more than twice the value of that comp B pick. It's worth $2 million, but it's also because you have that higher pick. You get to pick earlier, so it's worth a little bit more than that pick, than twice that pick's value in general. Uh, similar infielder. Now, the thing, Paredes is another guy, though. He's got some elite tools, and he's exactly the type of guy that the Rays go for, and they've been successful developing. Now, you occasionally get Brett Phillips. That didn't work out for them. But they have done really well with a lot of guys like this, so we'll see. I, the Guardians don't necessarily have, um, you know, that kind of lesser prospect type who's a, you know, the athletic profile who can really step right in. But again, the value in the comp A versus the comp B would have probably been enough. I understand why people are mad because uh, the outfield is a disaster. But I'll also say this: I think Steve Kwan ends up having a higher WAR this year if given a chance to play, given the same opportunities. That's that's my caveat here. Given the same opportunities, Steve Kwan would outperform Austin Meadows, and I feel comfortable stating that because again, Me-t- Meadows, Meadows, Meadows is a platoon bat who can't defend. Kwan can defend, and he's not a platoon bat. Like I'm very confident, Steve Kwan, Stephen Kwan. Uh, would be a 3-1 player out of the gate. I really feel if given those opportunities. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear he's going to necessarily get those opportunities, and that's a whole other bag of badgers. Uh, Unfortunately, we're going to get this overly vet-ridden team, and uh, that's going to be incredibly frustrating. But, yeah, it is what it is. We're going to take a sponsor break. We're going to come back, and we're going to discuss why Uh, everyone's mad about Meadows, but honestly, it was the deal the day before that the Guardian should have made more than the Meadows deal. And, uh, we'll also talk about Andres Jimenez, who, I mean, I did a lot of tweeting about today for a very good reason. Okay. So let's talk about the deal that I was more upset by, uh, again, because Meadows is flawed. I know this team desperately needs a, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Team desperately needs outfield help. Like, I'm not denying that. But I think what's holding them back is they either want uh, they want that big upgrade or nothing. Uh, Unfortunately, it's and like, here's the bigger thing. Like, the thing I can't understand with this team in general is, you know, they were out there supposedly like spending the last year making this big pitch for Jess Winker. And he's expiring. His contract expires the same time as Jose's. Like, what are they doing? What's the way to go? And let's talk about something bigger here. The hoopla from Hector, from Mike, uh sports, who, you know, I was like who I quoted on here, and I got 'cause I got excited. Probably wasn't the right move. I probably pushed it too far because I'm like, yeah, this is the guy who was in on um on another big deal and it's clear that it's just it it's Jose's Ramirez Jose Ramirez's agent leaking things. No deal was ever close. But it's weird that the guardians would add someone else whose contract and make repeated attempts, but they don't. Again, they should have added Meadows. <laughs> like they, they could have come over the top of that. Uh, it would have been helpful. The bigger problem is like, what do you? It's hard. Meadows could also be seen as like a lesser version of Franmill. Like that's the thing. Like I'm not as broken up in that regard. Like I'd still rather, much rather see Ramon Lariano. The thing with Meadows is. If you are an old-school stat guy, he looks good. He's got 100 RBIs. He hit 30 home runs once. He's not been healthy. Again, it's that's where I'm conflicted. I'm like, I worry that he's not that good. I worry that he is a tick above average. I worry that he is going to, you know, uh, I mean, he's going to another team in the division, so you don't have to worry, but I don't think there's another gear there. Let's put it that way this other trade that happened the day before you probably missed was the Marlins acquiring Tanner Scott and Cole Solster. Both guys I've talked about on this very podcast for two way down the line prospects. Um, you know, if you don't know their, the prospects, that's, that's totally fine. Um, in this deal, I only knew one of them. That's cause he was a college player. I didn't really know Kevin Guerrero as well. And they get a comp B pick, those comp B picks, man, you know, the value in them, uh, you know Velez the starter they got is interesting because he's he is a, definitely a guardian's type of pitcher this is a guy who got up to double A this year he's 24 you know, he is an older pitcher he was undrafted in 2020 which was the shortened uh, draft the six round draft and last year across two leagues he had a, a strikeout per nine of 8.5 and a walk rate of 1 that's right w- of 1 he walked I'm trying to 11 batters in 99 innings so, he is a Guardians type. He is a down the line, a control lefty. He, he is, I've seen the Marlins, you know, I like Jordan Yamamoto a bunch, who they also ended up maybe being the best pace piece in the Christian Yelich deal once all said and done for them, who was like going, maybe went to the Mets. But they also seem to like the control types. He is now 25. He isn't, like I said, he, he was positively ancient for a prospect who's had one year of experience. But I get why the Marlins liked him. Like, he he is not going to be a high rated prospect. guys like him, lefties with control like that, they find a way. Like, I wouldn't discount Velez pitching for Baltimore this year. I I wouldn't. Uh, Guerrero is the 17-year-old kid who's really far away. And the comp B pick is really the centerpiece. Now, here's the thing. Cole Solcer, former Guardians draft pick and player out of Yale, Dartmouth. Wrong Ivy League school. Uh, He was traded out. Was he part of the – no, he was like the – A minor piece in that Yandy Diaz deal, so they traded away Diaz and Solster to get Bowers. I mean, that's one of those things. You can go back and we talk like Carlos Santana was great for this team. Uh, Santana for Edwin, and remember they traded their comp pick that year, and Cleveland traded Jake Bowers or acquired Jake Bowers for Yandy Diaz, Cole Solster, Uh, and they got Jake Bowers in like four million dollars, like part of the money. That was sent in that deal was came from Tampa. Tampa sent money in that deal, even though they didn't involve themselves with anyone making money in that deal to uh, to help get it done. And you know, then they, uh, unfortunately to them, they waived Solster, didn't keep him, and he really blossomed for Baltimore. But I mean, that's one of those deals you look back on, and it's it's just a cruddy deal. Like Solster would definitely be part of this pen. Yandy Diaz would be starting for the Guardians somewhere. Uh, it's just, it's really unfortunate in that regard, but if you miss the data, he's got a loopy, interesting delivery and it's taken him a while, but this past year, you know, 10.4 strikeout per nine, 3.3 walk per nine. If you're worried about a FIP, it was 298. It was a very sustainable FIP in 63 innings, like 31 years of age. You have team control of him for 22, 23, 24, 25 four years of team control. He's not even arbitration eligible to the end of this year. Uh, It is just one year, but like, there's a reason why people have liked him for a while. He is now 32. So you're getting him through all the good years. You don't have to worry about anything else. And you just kind of look at that and you're like, that's, that's pretty valuable. Just a guy who can pitch 60, 70 innings, miss bats and be effective. And again, FIP, which is a great indicator stat, likes him. Tanner Scott, the other player in this deal, um, you know, he is from uh i i believe yeah he's from warren ohio i thought he was an ohio kid went to notre dame college in south euclid then went to uh howard college in big spring texas was a sixth round pick and he has had some control issues but at the same time like his career strikeouts in five years in the majors 170 games 12.0 his walk rate is 5.5 and again the guardians aren't necessarily the best with that uh his strike or his walk rate last year was a 6.2 but he's a lefty, misses bats, um, there's there's worse things. His FIP for his career is around four. He can be effective. is probably more effective. And the other thing is Scott is nearing the, uh, you know, you get him for, well, no, you get him for 22, 23, and 24, three years of team control. It's just, I looked at his data, it's like he has been pitching in the big leagues off and on since 2017. But he still has three years of team control. So the Marlins traded a end of the second round, beginning of the third round pick to get two, Solid relievers. They also had to give up two faraway prospects. Like, I thought, like, I, I feel pretty good that Tanner Scott and Cole Sulster will also put up uh, a higher WAR than Austin Meadows next year. That's hot take city, right? This is the deal. They could have brought an Ohio kid home. That would have been good. And this pen, what you talked about with the pitching issues, uh, going out and adding a 27-year-old kid from Ohio, <laughs> also helps with Felicity. It also makes them look a little better. And bringing back Cole Solster, who was super effective a year ago, uh, the pen is like that underrated weakness on this team. It's really a position that could have been helped. Uh, And these guys went really cheaply. And that's why, like I said, this deal was the one that had me more upset than the Meadows deal. Meadows, it's like, okay, we really need kind of more of a right fielder for this organization going forward. That's not necessarily him. Uh, This was a deal that would have made them better. Now, of course... It would have also necessitated two 40-man spots, which we already know what a disaster the 40-man situation is right now, currently. Uh, Adding two players to the 40-man would have been... uh, Again, I mean, they they got La Vestida up because they don't have a better... They don't have any choice. They need to figure this out. That's why... I mean, it... (sighs) A trade needs to happen. And if you're not going to do a trade, for the love of God, like... You know, I've been all about Zimmer has trade value. Zimmer has trade value. If you're not gonna, don't start him and don't give him as an option for Tito to start. He is what he is. He's a solid fourth, fifth outfielder. He's not an everyday player. You can't run Zimmer. Zimmer and Mercado are like the same player. Like running them out there. You know uh, the Bobby Bradley situation. I mean, Tito (laughs) straight out said like Bobby didn't have a good spring, and he's playing first base. He didn't have a good year last year in the big leagues. He had a good June. He had a good June. Everything else, not so much. And he had a bad spring, and he is starting at first base when first base is the easiest position to upgrade. There's always cheap talent available at that position. There's players you can take runs at. Uh, you know, it's honestly a situation where Naylor, when he is ready to go, it's not Steve Kwan who should go away. Steve Kwan should be here to stay. 100% should be here to stay. You have so many players who are just fringe. Why? There's no... And it'd be one thing if the Guardians were the Rays, if the Guardians were the Padres, if the Guardians were the Mariners, and we saw them be a little bit more active in the conversion of talent. They haven't been. They just have not been. We have not seen the... You know, the Miles Straw deal was an anomaly. When was, you know, let's go find the last three trades this organization made. Uh, and you're going to see that, you know, trades that involved, you know, non supremely minor deals, not like the DFA trade of, uh, Jake Bowers for Dominic Cassetta Stubbs. Like the, the Miles Straw deal was a deal that they traded from their roster, uh, that was not, you know, to add a player to the roster, or they traded someone away who wasn't someone they're already trying to cut. Uh, we'll talk about that and do a little bit of our Wednesday wrap up for the college baseball in segment three, but first another quick break. You know, you want to come back. The Guardians apparently like this draft. They're unwilling to trade their comp a pick, so you want to listen in. You know, it's a friend, family-friendly show. But I kind of want to <laughs> swear at our sponsor because, man, w- what are you doing to me, Bill Bar? They have their first ever mini puff. We've talked about the fact that, like, I love puffs. The minis are fun, and you can now buy the yellow chirp, which you could only get before uh, included with the, um, the fudge brownie. And listen to this. Can I read to this one for you? (laughs) A light lemon flavored puff coated in a lemon flavored shell then dusted with sugar. So, you know, it's got kind of, uh, like a peep, but it's healthy for you. 80 calories per one. So they're small. So normally I eat like two bars at lunch with, with the minis, I eat four or five. So that's even if I eat five, that's what 400 calories. That's not bad for lunch. My total sugar is in one of these things that is coated in sugar. You do get 6 grams, which for them is relatively high, but still not that high. And in terms of your, your healthiness in here, should we talk about the protein? Oh, that's right, 8 grams per one. I would get 40 grams of protein. You get as much, uh, as much, you get more protein than you get sugar. I'm probably going to put an order in today. I mean, I love them. I love Bilt Bar. I love puffs. I've been meaning to get some of these churro puffs before they go away. I will definitely use the promo code LOCKED15 because I like saving money. Uh, this is the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. I'm going to do a order right now, by the way, churro puff and yellow chirps. You're going to be coming to my house and then soon into my belly. Those are my personal recommendations. I love Built Bar. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that it would take so long for me to sit here and do it on the show, I would be putting it in as we speak. Instead, you'll have to just take my word for it that I will be eating Built Bars until the cows come home. They are fantastic. They're healthy for you. It uh, gets an A in my health food app and an A in my heart. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15. It's the same code I use every time I place an order. That is BuiltBar.com promo code LOCKED15. So let's talk some college baseball. Let's do some weekend wrap-up. Uh, you know, on this show, we've talked about a many arms talked about drew thorpe last week by the way second in strikeouts We talked about parker messick currently first in the country in strikeouts bryson motts who had the weirdest maybe line of the year fourth and in the preseason we talked about cooper gerpe at oregon state who's currently tied for fifth and justin campbell who's currently tied with eighth who has fallen off a bit is bryce hubart who is the teammate of parker messick just going down this list, you know, some other players we've talked about, and just in terms of strikeouts, uh, we haven't talked about Chase uh, Delander yet at Tennessee. We we'll have to him. He's 20th. Hunter Barco, 24th, currently tied with Brandon Birdsell. And at 27, there is Hubart. This is still a pretty weak pitching class. I don't know if there's a college pitcher who goes in the first 20 picks right now. Uh, that is just the way I see it. Uh, no one's. Stepped up. I mean, players are performing well. There are players who have stepped up, but no one has elevated themselves to that area where you're going to feel comfortable calling their name early. Um, and where the Guardians are picking at 16, I can't help but feel like any pitcher that they would grab would be a bit of a, a reach. So even though they went heavy pitcher a year ago, I just can't see it this year. I think, you know, one of the reasons they went so hot, heavy on pitching last year was the fact that that was the strength of the draft. They are going to lean into draft strengths, uh, look at what they can find. Uh, This pitching class is still, it's probably the worst college pitching class I have ever seen. Uh, We talked about how the catching class is the greatest. Let's talk about one of the best hitters in college baseball this year, a player we have not mentioned on the show, Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, maybe the best nickname in college baseball you got to love that one, right? And, you know, what this guy does is just hit the ball titanically far. 13 home runs, currently tied for second in the country. Spent his first two years of college at Odessa Junior College. Now one of those is the 2020 season, so it's really like one and a half seasons. Uh, Was at Texas last year and performed extremely well. 319, 438, 603 uh, for a 1.041 OPS. You look at a year ago, he had 13 home runs in 59 games. He's got 13 in 30 games this year. He has elevated his 319 a year ago, 387 right now, 438 slugging 521 now. I'm sorry, that's on base. (laughs) Slugging 608 to 856. Uh, His ISO is 468. His BAPIP, every single year in college, has been over 400. And again, BAPIP tells us, if you've missed this before, that... That is maybe the best statistical indicator of hit tool of guys who are going to hit for average as they move through the minors. Uh, so that's that's big. I mean, 460, or no, 417, 409, 463 when he was in a juco. Those tell you that, yeah, the power is clearly there. This, you know, this is a strong guy. He is 6'3", 225. He's a first base only prospect drafted last year by the Marlins in the 16th round they were unable to sign him. I feel like the Marlins had like was it bird cell or someone else last week we talked about that got away from them. And if you're like, okay, well he hits for a lot of uh, power, I'm sure the strikeout rate 18%. That's a low strikeout rate for a power hitter and by the way, the walk percentage, 20%. So he's walking at an exceptionally high rate. Uh, he is striking out at a low, exceptionally low rate for a power hitter. He is hitting for a ton of power. Uh, you know, the Big Twelve is not the SEC; it's not the ACC. But you know, it, it competes with the Pac-12 for like the number three conference. Uh, he's statistically—do I go that far? Is he, you know, he's statistically I think he's the most interesting hitter in the country right now when you just look at the overall what he is doing when you look at the bat pip you look at the home runs you look at the walk rate you know percentage of the time he's walking percentage of the time he's striking out uh you know I don't know what other people view him I feel like he's probably going to be somewhere if I had to place a guess when MLB updates their list he'll be he'll be Let's say '80s or '90s. I feel like guys who really perform end up there. Maybe he's in the like one tens or one twenties. He'll, he'll be a famous name who's kind of in that range because you know he is twenty two already. He is an older prospect. He's a first base only prospect, but he is a guy that would just be fun to add. I mean, the statistical outliers are fantastic. Like if you get him as a, a I mean, I'm probably looking in the fourth round. But I think in the fourth round, he's a fun addition to your minor league teams. It's just, you know, a great nickname, big tool, big power tools, big power ability. Um, and again, the bat pip, the walk percentage, the strikeout percentage are really, really positive. You know, that's what you want to look at. If you're looking for who's going to be a, a productive hitter, we know that power is there. Was other um, statistical points are great indicator stats as well. Like all of that comes together to say, this is a player maybe we want to look deeper on. Traditionally, he would slide a bit just because again, first baseman, twenty two years of age. That would be like okay, well, it's been nice knowing you. You'll get a senior sign. He's going to get invited to the camp, uh, the camp, the baseball combine. I can guarantee he'll be one of the top three hundred. And when he gets invited to that, that means that he has to be offered 15% of his slot. And, you know, I can't stress those numbers enough. And it's not like he's only done it, you know, against, because that's the thing, right? Early in the season, you're like, okay, so who have they faced? How many cupcakes have been on their schedule in the early going? Because as we've discussed on this very show, on many of these uh, Wednesday wrap-ups, that you almost prefer looking at the small uh, school numbers because nearly going, they're facing the powerhouses, while the uh, the powerhouses are, are you know facing the weaker teams. Rice, you know, a, a baseball program that has had its ups and downs. Texas A and M is a small one. Alabama, Sam Houston, then in the Shriners Classic, Tennessee, LSU, UCLA, South Carolina in a doubleheader. Uh, incarnate Word, so that was that was a week, uh, <laughs> March one. I'm not familiar with that.